0: Welcome to Logical, the UE's first and only legal podcast. My name's Tim Elliott. Logical comes to you from the Dubai based legal firm HPL Yamalova And Plethka, as ever, the management partner, is with me, and that's Ludmilla Yamalava. Good to see you.
1: Good to be here, Tim.
0: This time, divorces, but divorces for non Muslims. Now, Ludmilla, uh, unfortunately, marriages break down. It's a fact of life, but the options you have if you're non-muslim and you're resident here in the UAE is what I'd like to cover today. And I suppose we need to start at the beginning. I suppose if you divorce in your own country, that is that option 1.
1: Yes, so there are three for non-muslims again. This so this is um Today is specifically focusing on divorces for those expats who are not Muslim expats, yes. and this is important to highlight several times because you could be a, an expat, in your mind you might not even be a very religious person, and you think you're subject to a non-Muslim law in your in your country where you come from. That that might be the case, but if you are a Muslim. Uh, and, uh, you are, um, um, e- you know, even if you're not a, a super devout Muslim in the UAE, you would be subject, uh, to the UAE personal status law and therefore you, you are treated as a Muslim. So you cannot carve out from that. Okay. Uh, so what this particular podcast is about, it's about for non-Muslim expats. So yeah. not just expats, but non-Muslim expats. And so for all those non-Muslim expats, and just again, another caveat to this. So if there is, um, if the wife is Muslim and if you, even if you're one of those couples, where you would have gotten married elsewhere, and the man is a non-Muslim and the wife is Muslim, and if they were to get married, let's say, in the U.S., and that's a perfectly normal civil marriage for the purpose of the UAE, they would be considered as a Muslim family. So they would still be subject to the UAE personal status law. So in that case, their marriage would still be Muslim, and therefore not necessarily subject to, to this podcast. So today we will focus in particular on... What options are available for non-Muslim expats living in the UAE and wanted to go their separate ways? Uh, so there are several options. One, and for a number of reasons, this may or may not be a preferable option. Uh, is as you rightfully said is to get divorced in the country where you got married, or, or where, your home country, where yeah. that may be. But as I say that, I know it's it, for for those who live in Dubai, that's probably uh, easier said than done because so many couples here, um, the couple could be the spouse and spouses could be from very different countries, and um, and they could have gotten married yet in another country, and their children could have been born yet in another country, and so on and so forth. So it's a lot more complex. But so, but ultimately you would, as, as non-Muslim expats, they always have the option of going back to their home country, whatever that country may be, or home countries, uh, and get divorced there. And once you get divorced there, then you would come back into the UAE with a divorce certificate, and then you would have uh, that particular divorce certificate applied here, uh, and um, you could also, and you would then be deemed here as um, as divorced, You could also, what you could also do is if you have a court order on the back of a divorce certificate divorce proceedings in a foreign country, you could come back here and enforce the court order here. This is a little more complex and I'll I'll come back into it uh, shortly, but so one option at a high level, is to go get divorced in a foreign country. And at least for the purposes of your legal status, you on the back of that divorce decree from that country would be legally considered uh, divorced. The other option is to get divorced um, amicably. And amicably means that um, you just decide without having to go to court and get divorced uh, without the involvement of a judge. This is a little more nuanced for the purpose of expats living here because uh, if if you can amicably decide to separate and go separate ways, but as if you want to obtain a divorce certificate from the UAE, you would still need to file it in court. Uh, whereas if you, but the option is also to go back to your home country, whatever the country might be, and then register your divorce in that country. Uh, so you're still divorcing amicably, but without the involvement of the court, but rather just registering your divorce through the divorce registry. So it's a more of an administrative process than judicial. It doesn't require the court judgment. It doesn't require lawyers to be involved. If you just amicably go and submit your divorce papers and um, on you know, the back of that you'll have a divorce decree and then you can come back into the UAE with that. So it's still called an amicable divorce but uh, but um, administered outside of the UAE. If that option for one reason or another not available then if you, you can still amicably divorce in the UAE and we've done a number of these uh, divorces in, in uh, here, uh, you would still need to have it registered through the courts. Now, and we've done, in fact, a podcast on amicable divorces already and how to do it. Uh, it's um, uh, it's ultimately, it requires, obviously, both spouses to be on the same page and to document their agreement, A, about the divorce, and B, the terms of their separation, be it financial or uh, regarding their children. And then that agreement should be... Um, uh, either drafted in Arabic or translated, legal translated into Arabic. And then you would have to submit basically a request to the court and you could do it all online about. So, you know, in the way you're filing a divorce case, but it's not going to be a substantive case. It's going to be just more of an administrative case. It, more importantly, it basically just gives you a case file, if you will. So it's a case file. So through this case file, then you would, uh, you would submit your settlement agreement to the court and you say, please register the settlement agreement. And on the back of settlement agreement, um, deem us, please render us be divorced and issue a divorce certificate. So that's the other way of doing it. So again, if you want to amical the divorce, uh, one way to do it in your home country and have the divorce registered there. The other way, if you're going to do it from the UAE, you still, still need to follow the court system with the court process, but it is administrative, quick, and, um, fairly, uh, uh fairly unemotional. If, if again, if both parties on, uh, on, on, um, the same page, you don't need to hire lawyers. You could literally just do it all yourself. So you just need to prepare to do it in Arabic and you you could do it through legal translators and just have all your documents, here in, including your agreement, legally registered uh, or legally translated. And then you can submit all your requests to the court uh, online through the court portal uh, or you can go do it through the um, typing center or directly through the court. Okay. Uh, and then the third option is contentious divorce. And this is where you really go with your guns blazing. Yes and that 's the third option, so now this perhaps is a little more substantive and, um, and remember this is a, this is a contentious divorce, but within the UAE so it 's a lot more nuanced, a lot can be a lot more complex because it depends on what law we are going to apply to this divorce. so this happens in cases of couples where they are non Muslim. Uh, they are uh, but they, they might have they might be citizens of different countries they might have gotten married yet another country uh, but they are living here and they've been living here and the court has jurisdiction over them here so they want to get divorced here but they just cannot agree and that perhaps ha- happens to most of the couples that at least we know of uh, and um So here you have two choices in terms of uh, what, how, how your divorce is going to be administered. And remember to every divorce there are made two major categories of issues that you are they're going to be at stake one regarding financial entitlements and, um, and and payments and obligations and the other one regarding children so if you don't have children that's a much easier um, avenue to pursue but if you have children it's a lot more complex and but ultimately these are the two buckets of, of issues you will if you will money and children Uh, So if you have a contentious divorce, uh, then and we applying through the court, it could be filed either by husband or wife, it does not matter. Uh, So now where the difference, uh, slight difference can come in is that um, which law would be applied. And uh, the default law would be when you apply when you submit this court request for a divorce, you basically open a case against, let's say, your husband or vice versa for a divorce, then the default application uh, could be the UAE personal status law. The UAE personal status law, in turn, is based on principle of Sharia. And therefore, ultimately, in simple terms, your divorce would be subject to Sharia, which means that uh, in terms of deciding how the financial assets and obligations are going to be administered, they would be subject uh, uh, to Sharia uh, jurisprudence and equally so with regards to the children. It's all subject to Sharia jurisprudence. Uh, And we can talk about it shortly, what that means. And so the other option, however, the UAE law does have the UAE civil transaction law. And in particular, Article 13 allows um, allows for non-Muslim expats to request for the law of the country where they were married to apply to their divorce. Okay. So this, by the way, simplifies a lot because before it was there was some mention in the law, but it was not so. It was a little more uh, sort of generally drafted. So there's a lot of questions uh, around that particular provision in the past. But 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 previously it said law of the um, sort of the nationality, but whose nationality <laughs> and and then also whose nationality and and often it happens that people here have multiple nationalities, the same person may have multiple nationalities. So that whole issue, and we've dealt with all of these eventualities here. So it's, you know, this is one of the beauties of of the UAE. There's a cocktail of so many interesting concoctions in terms of our demographics. Uh, So so now this new law, it makes a lot, uh, perhaps more streamlined and simpler. So now it's the law of the country where you got married, that will apply. That too has an interesting nuance because we know and there's so many people here, perhaps we'll see less of this now, but so many people here would fly to a nearby country just to get married because, for example, they're expecting a baby and so in the past they could not have had a baby without a marriage certificate, but we've covered this on this podcast now that's no longer an, uh, uh, an issue. So you don't, perhaps there's less of a reason to be compelled to go to a nearby country and just get married for the sake of getting married.
0: But you still have a situation where people live here and this is a a hub an international hub and you know a short hop to i don't know the maldives you know it's a great backdrop for a wedding you still see a lot of
1: that. indeed and this is why this is important because uh, the the place where you got married will may be a fundamental factor in deciding how your relationship will be uh, how dealt with upon divorce and so therefore you you may mentioned Tim, an interesting country maldives maldives is very fun luxurious very relaxing uh, ultimate sort of uh, you know, decadence for some, but Maldives also has a very large uh, Muslim population. So the Maldives, for example, law could actually be Muslim laws. Um, so you just, it's, it's, here yeah, this is one of those kind of intricacies that you want to keep in mind as you get married. So a lot of people get married for, in Seychelles, for example, or Sri Lanka. So if you do get married in one of those places, and it's the law of that country that could apply. Uh, now, as I say this, for those who are listening to this before, <laughs> before they get, get divorced or are thinking of getting divorced, another option, if you find, find yourself in a situation of wanting to get married in one of these other countries, because it's, like you said, it's more fun, it's more exotic and such and more convenient. Uh, you could also then ratify that marriage certificate in your home country at later on. So what? you can, for example, okay. go back to England. So, Okay, we're we're married, but we just want to also get a marriage certificate from, the, from England, cut on the back of your previous marriage certificate. Mm. So anyway, so but for purposes of these, um, the non-Muslim expats, you also by law, but the UAE law, and that's Article 13 of the Civil Transactions Law, you can actually choose the law of the country where you got married to apply. So let's say it's in England or France. Uh, so in now in the case of a divorce um you could we would request for the judge to apply the law of um, of that country uh, where the the marriage certificate was issued in the past uh, under the previous law it would have um, it was in the na- law of nationality uh, let's say of, of the of uh, the spouse of the the father or the man or the husband uh, but then the parties had to agree on on basic application of that particular law Now, as per this law, they basically you know the the one or the other party can request the law of the of the of um the marriage certificate to apply, and that's basically and they're entitled to that there's no requirement for the other party to agree to that. However, um, there, is, there are more practical nuances about um, applying foreign law in the UAE, because ultimately what you're asking for the court to do is to apply the law of a foreign country in here in the UAE. So you're asking the Marathi judge, let's say, apply the law of American law or English law or French law. That is not easy to do.
0: Well, there must be practicalities with that. You can't expect a judge to be up to speed with the law here in the UAE, for example, plus France, Germany, Sweden, the UK. I mean, that's that's just not possible for a human being.
1: Exactly. And this is why um, it's important to to talk about it, but also highlight while legally speaking, the options are there. And practically speaking, it may actually be very difficult to do for that very reason. Because ultimately, you're educating a UAE judge who is obviously he's a judge because he studied UAE law. He knows UAE law to now learn and apply a law of a different country. So therefore, the burden falls on the parties that are trying to argue that law, the foreign law. Okay. And uh, so here, it's, uh, it's a pretty high burden to meet because not only are you supposed to educate the judge, first of all, you have to just present what the law is it's not just about hey dear judge in France is how it's done no you have to present the law every document you present in the court has to be legalized and apostilled so so let's say if you're coming from France which is civil law jurisdiction uh, okay there there would be a law on let's say divorces you could just you'd have to legally translate it and then apostille that whole law and bring it into the judge and say this is your honor this is basically what uh, French law says about divorces
0: that's going to be hard
1: very hard But it would be even harder if you come from a a common law jurisdiction like the U.S., for example, because there you don't have just one legislative source to rely on. Common law, by definition, relies on precedents, court precedents. So there you'd have to be bringing court cases from you know, explaining the judge how to piecemeal and all these different court cases into some kind of a theory you're trying to advance.
0: So that's hard, but that's also going to be expensive, isn't it?
1: Very much so. It would be right. very expensive because not only are, you, again, you, every one of the documents, one of the authorities you bring in will have to be legally translated, then itself is a cost because if you have a judgment that's 15, 20, 30 pages, and just one judgment. Uh, but you also have to apostille every one of these documents. And we, those of us who live here know that there is a, a fairly hefty cost associated with every document that's that has to go through apostille requirements. So, And you know, there's another layer of complexity, because let's say if you're talking about a country like the U.S., our divorce lo- laws in the U.S. differ among states. So you also need to figure out which state it is that you claim. You cannot just claim the U.S. law it would be which which law, which state law. So it's really it's complex. The worst proceedings in the US, if you were doing them in the US, can be extremely complex. Now imagine taking that and trying to to convince and educate uh, the judge here to do in a foreign language, uh, you know what that means.
0: Do you know the, the complexity is such that you'd fall in love with your partner all over again, wouldn't you, the one you're trying to divorce? I mean, th- this is tricky to do.
1: Well, perhaps that's the objective. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a, that's a form of, of, of reconciliation <laughs> a form of mediation <laughs> Right. a lot of people do say that they stay to be married they choose to stay to to be or choose to be uh, to stay married because it's just too expensive to get divorced <laughs> <laughs> so uh, perhaps there this is a case in point uh, so but but it's from a legal standpoint it's important to to, uh, to highlight that that it is that option is there the option of applying a different law is there but I will also tell you from a practical standpoint that every case we have seen and we have seen a number of these cases where parties want to argue one or the other party argues a different law. By the time, as, as they go through the process and start submitting these documents or trying to at least obtain a, a certified document, apostille document of a particular law, that's just the document itself. But then you have to also explain to the judge what that means and, and educate them about a particular law. Before you're even able to, to start talking about the substantive law, you need to present a document that's apostille that the judge can actually read and rely on. And that's you know before you even start uh, educating and, and helping interpret what a particular provision means. So um, so by that time we at least from our experience parties are so exhausted. they just they switch back to the default application of law, which is Sharia law. and that's the personal status law. But the options are there. Now at a high level, what this means, for, because remember we talked about two categories of issues that are at the, at stake in divorces. One is about commercial aspects of relations, but the other one is about children. So whether if you are applying, uh, if you are applying for divorce under the UAE personal status law, which is Sharia law, uh, there is one disposition of those sort of, uh, of of those interests. And then if you're applying under the foreign law, then you'll be a very different disposition. And at a high level, what this means is that if you are applying uh, under, let's say, foreign law, in most cases, as far as money is concerned, again, it depends on which law you apply, let's say, in the state. It could be community property law. So, in other words, you, your assets are divided 50-50, all of your assets, irrespective on whose name they are. Uh, but it depends on the state. Uh, and, um, or you have, uh, and, and so, but, but add up kind of for simplicity's sake, if you have a foreign law and if one or the other party And usually it's one party that wants to apply for in law. It's because ultimately that party deems to financially benefit tremendously from much more so, not so much tremendously, but much more so. Uh, from application of foreign law than application of the UE personal status law. So, in other words, because commercially they would get they they would get fifty percent of what the other spouse has, irrespective of what the name says or where the name is. So, for example, this would include if the property is in your husband's name. If you apply foreign law, it would be that property would be divided fifty fifty um irrespective of the fact that legally speaking that property is only listed on the husband's name. Uh, similarly, you would be under foreign law in many cases you would be entitled to half to your spouse's salary and bonuses and end of service and and so on and so forth. Now, that's as far as money is concerned, and so everything financially, again, this is kind of a quick and dirty sort of analysis um, of rather very complex laws, but uh, commercially it'd be 50-50 with regards to children and and, uh, custody and guardianship. So under the foreign law, it's in most cases, again, it'll be 50-50. So, so that's 50-50 in, on all fronts. So, but that's, for that's application of foreign law. Who would want to do this? Obviously, it would be usually, usually, and I'm stereotyping here to an extent. If it's the wife that's applying, she would want the foreign law because she would stand commercially to gain a lot more from uh, from the division of assets under the foreign law, uh, but she would have to share the child 50-50 with the husband, which is basically the standard in most other societies however if you apply if you choose to apply or you're forced to apply or you have come to realization that you need to apply uh, the personal UE personal status law which is based on Sharia there uh, the um, the division happens very differently with regards to financial division it's fairly again at a very high level it's very limited in terms of financial support the general principle for um, is that whatever is yours is yours whatever is mine is mine so if you have that if your husband has that property that village in his name. Uh, you do not get any interest in it just by virtue of, you know, being married to him. Even if you've been married for 50 years, you will not get legal interest in that property. Uh, but equally so, if you have a property in your name, he doesn't get you know, any interest in your property. Same thing with bank accounts. If you have a bank account, it's yours. If it's his, it's his. Your salary, your end of service, all of this is yours. Whatever is his, is his. So that's basically you. Sorry,
0: uh, let me just put in there for a second. If, if, uh, in terms of bank accounts, if, if it's yours, it's yours. If it's his, it's his, for example, is, is what what you said, but what if it's a joint bank okay, okay, account? What happens
1: then? Yes, if it's joint, it's uh, presumably it's most ba- joint bank accounts is fifty fifty and singly and jointly managed. Okay. So basically, you're entitled to the fifty percent of that, right. and he will be entitled to fifty percent of of his. Uh, so, and right. that's um, that's um, kind of how that would be divided. But anything that's in your sole name remains to be in your sole name. So the only financial obligation that would be subject of a court order, for example, it's um, in most cases it'd be it'd be father's support of the children. Financial support, and to some very limited extent, to the uh, the mother of the children, okay. and I say mother of the children versus a spouse or ex spouse because this is quite uh, important, and it's because under Islam uh, you um, uh, there's very limited alimony to the to the wife, and that's just for three months and that's just kind of called the waiting period to make sure that ultimately she's not um she's not pregnant during these 3 months uh, that's basically the element of the support you, the husband has to pay for his soon to be ex-wife and then but after the divorce, uh, there is a payment that will be paid. Uh, it was it's a payment that's being made to her as a mother of the children, not as an ex wife, but as a mother of the children, and so the children would get paid alimony to basically for support for the children. So the uh, the father would have to pay X amount to support the the children and then a Y amount to the mother for supporting the children. And it's because uh, with regards to children under Islam, the mother holds custody of the children, and the father has guardianship over the children. And this is um, uh, custody, this is a concept that exists in under Islamic jurisprudence, and not in the West. Uh, in the West, it's Custody and guardianship is one one and the same. In the UAE or in, in Islamic jurisprudence, these are separate concepts. Custody, so the physical possession of the child, and guardianship is a legal right to make sort of decision uh, decisions for the child. For example, about school, about religion, about culture. Uh, but custody, which means physical possession of the child, so the this children live with the mother. Uh, for boys, it's until the age of 11. For girls, uh, until the age of 13. Uh, So their primary house is uh, living with the mother. But uh, that's not to say that the father doesn't have access to the children. Uh, The visitation rights would also be granted. And it's not to say that the father can just Travel with the children whenever he wants or equal over the mother, so there 's still some regulations about who um, uh, who travels so since the mother has custody of the children, the mother has default right to, uh, you know, to to decide whether the father can take children out of the country, for example, or how to travel so the The, the issues of custody and guardianship are quite dis- distinct under uh, Islamic jurisprudence and so But ultimately, if, so if you were to choose which law to apply, uh, the Islamic jurisprudence, i.e. Sharia, or the personal status law, or your own foreign law, it depends on where you're coming from. So as a mother, uh, if you want um, to have physically, if you want children and mainly just the physical right to the children applying the UE personal status law is, gives you that basically hundred percent custody uh, and right to physically be with the children kind of well, you hundred know, percent and only with visitation rights to, to the uh, father. Uh, but financially you don't stand to get much more than you won't get any interest in your you know, in the assets or or wealth that is attributable to your husband. Uh, but if you want more about, um, first of all, if you want more uh, uh, money, I guess, for, for that's attributable to your husband, uh, or you, you just uh, fundamentally, you, you understand and you agree and you know and you want for the father to also have 50% of the child, then I guess foreign law would work as well, because you accept that you want the children to be shared equally. Um, but at the same time, you also want assets to um, you would have 50% assets to um uh you know to to your husband's basically estate not estate but wealth and uh, so this is kind of at a very high level quick and dirty analysis of rather complicated laws but in practical terms it's difficult to uh, to argue for in law it's, but it, I think with time, it'll be more possible. What we do know that, for example, courts are a lot more equipped here and a lot more comfortable applying certain, certain countries' laws. Like, for example, India, because there's such a large Indian population in the UAE. So the courts here have seen more divorces, for example, where Indian law is being applied. So they're more familiar with that kind of law. American law is quite complex. We've, we've tried to apply America. We've tried to apply Austrian, uh, tried to apply, um, Russian law. And it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. Ultimately, parties that realize, you know, don't want to do it anymore. And in many cases, they revert back to, okay, let's just uh, finally agree on a settlement without having the judge to adjudicate this. There's also that option. That at some point in time, when you start contentious litigation, at some point in time, you get so exhausted that you come back to the table and you draw a map for <laughs> peaceful reconciliation. So that also happens often. Uh, but in other cases, the judge will, it, but I think majority of the cases, divorces that go to the local courts will end up with a divorce under the, uh, Sharia, uh, jurisprudence or the Islamic jurisprudence, uh, where the court in the, additionally, now there's a part of the new laws that have been recently introduced. There's also a number of guidelines that have been published, in particular for the personal status court, where the court has a fairly detailed kind of map, almost like a roadmap of how to divvy up and in particular how to assign alimony and child support payments. So there is almost like a checklist. And so the court will apply these guidelines and these principles. And so in short, I will tell you, so the court will, at a high level, the court will rule that the husband has to pay, let's say, Two to three thousand dirhams per child per month to a child support about a thousand thousand and a half dirhams for the uh, mother for, for while she is supporting the while the children are in her custody uh, some amount for housing for example 100, 100, 150,000 dirhams per year for housing uh, let's say a thousand dirhams for the maid a thousand dirhams for the driver. Uh, some utilities and um, you know and then and the father, by the way, is a guardian of the children, has the obligation to pay for children 's education uh, and health bills, and basically more or less for children 's expenses so that 's a very quick snapshot of um, how marriages would be divided commercially and with regards to the children uh, under the Islamic jurisprudence. Okay. There is one more option. I said I'll come back to it when I mentioned before divorce abroad. So it's also possible to have a divorce abroad, but but you wouldn't just have a divorce certificate. You would actually have a court order that sets out how assets should be divided. And then, then this would be a matter of actually trying to enforce a foreign judgment in the UAE. Uh, It may or may not be possible. We're kind of heading more in that direction where it may be more possible than not. But there could be some questions of jurisdiction because if the court says, listen, we had jurisdiction here all along, so the divorce should have been under our jurisdiction, that that, uh, foreign judgment might not be enforced. It kind of depends. And this is an evolving jurisprudence right now, very exciting times. But that's also an option because also there's a lot of families that may have, uh, may claim jurisdiction in both places. So it's very likely that the U.S. courts would have, let's say, had jurisdiction and then you can come with the U.S judgment here and try to enforce it here and then then you would have the assets here divided but you'd only want to do that you'd only want to enforce a foreign judgment in the in the UAE if uh, if the parties have significant assets here and you would want the local courts to apply uh, to apply the foreign judgment to divvy up those assets um, as per that court judgment versus the UAE laws
0: one thing I wanted to mention. I've learned from the number of podcasts we've done on the divorce topic, and there are a number. Uh, Amicable Divorce is the most recent one you can find online. Mediation is encouraged here in the UAE. It's worth just remembering that, just pointing that out again.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that's the necessary step to any divorce proceedings in the UAE. Whenever you file for a divorce, uh, the first um, steps that are by default being scheduled by the court is mediation. Yeah. So there's mediation uh, proceedings that will be will have first to take place before you're able to proceed to the court of full, uh, full jurisdiction. And even along the way, uh, courts often take a sort of recess and, and encourage parties to do mediation. So yes, mediation is definitely encouraged. Uh, the efficacy of the mediation proceeds in the UAE still so in the evolving practice but the intent is there
0: Okay, that's another episode of Logical Divorces in this episode for non-Muslims. As ever, our legal expert, Ludmilla Yamalava, managing partner here at Yamalova and Pleska. And thank you again.
1: Thank you, Tim.
0: Find us at LY Law, social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook. There's a ever-growing library. Hundreds of podcasts now on all kinds of legal questions here in the UAE. They're all free to listen to. To get your legal matter answered in a future episode of Logical or to talk to a UAE qualified, experienced legal professional, click contact at lylawyers.com.